Hello, and welcome once again to another podcast from the conservative historian. This one, A Modest Proposal for Climate Change, dated March 2020. Twelve years. That is all the time we have unless drastic action is undertaken. But it is important to understand that drastic means, well, drastic. Here is our situation. On January 10th, 2019, the Green New Deal was introduced by that quote-unquote phenom, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And within its pages, it reiterated a United Nations climate pronouncement that if we did not change the trajectory of climate change, the earth is essentially doomed in 12 years. 12 years, that is it. That is the point of irreversibility. And that is 2031 for those of you who skip math classes in order to take queer musicology. And yes, that is a real course offered at UCLA. Our challenge is that assuming every piece of the Green New Deal was passed, including retrofitting every building and eliminating every flatulent producing bovine, America accounts for less than half of the fossil CO2 emissions of the country of China. Less than half of China. According to the 2018 BP Statistical Review of World Energy, China passed the United States in this category in 2005 and now exceeds that of the U.S. and the European Union combined. Additionally, over the past decade, the United States has decreased annual carbon dioxide emissions by nearly 800 million tons. But China, as big as it is now, is no longer the fastest growing emitter. That would be India. And given the lack of industrialization on the subcontinent, if India ever brings massive coal-fired plants online, that 12-year figure may be too generous. Even if the U.S. succeeds in implementing every statute, every piece of the Green New Deal, and substantially reduces CO2 emissions, we are still doomed because other sovereign nations, specifically India and China, may not play ball. So here is a modest proposal. We revive good old-fashioned imperialism and we invade China and India and then force them to shut down those CO2 emissions. That's right. Let's put our new USS Gerald Ford to the test. It's a heavy nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. Let's get the USS Wisconsin out of mothballs and send her east. Let's fire up those special forces in Fort Bragg. We can also pull troops from Germany. Hell, Merkel doesn't need them. And we already have a presence in South Korea. We have eight heavy aircraft carriers, and China has one. And India doesn't have a single one. Even if you have LeBron James, but we have five guys named Mo, we still win the basketball game, people. The British ruled India for nearly 300 years and managed China for a century. So it's not like this is original thinking. An alternative approach would be to subsidize renewable resources. But again, people, 12 years. Solyndra was founded in 2005, and then after producing crappy products, despite substantial federal subsidies, they filed bankruptcy six years later. No more Solyndra. 
Elon Musk's solar city had to be bailed out by Elon Musk's Tesla, which, despite federal subsidies, has shown exactly two quarters of profitability in its 14 years of existence. If Elon Musk cannot figure out how to create sustainable, renewable products in less than 12 years, what hope do the rest of us ignoramuses have? He's a genius. We're not. He can't produce renewable products. None of us can. Plus, there would all be that haggling with Chinese and the rebuilding of their entire infrastructure. This would all take way too long. Much better to parachute the 101st Airborne into Beijing, the Screaming Eagles. My God, that forbidden city wouldn't be forbidden anymore. We could set it up as our headquarters and turn it into like an extension of the Smithsonian only in Beijing. We solve two big issues at once, climate change and the inability to find a good Indian restaurant in the Chicago area. We just make the Indians hand over their best recipes. Heck, we'd be like the British, might as well. This also has the added benefit of uniting our divided nation. Obviously, there will be a few barriers. Trump is an American first, non-neoconservative type of guy. Simple. We give him a uniform. We make him an honorary general. Ike was one. Jackson was one. Washington, too. Of course, they were generals before becoming president, but... But Taft was a Supreme Court justice after his presidency, and John Quincy Adams a representative after his presidency. So, heck, let's just make Trump a general. The gaudy uniform, the salutes, the patent comparisons, and the troop rallies. He will love it. He will turn from America first to China and India, well, first and second. I'm not really sure what that order is. Now, the right, the right will be easy. There's Always been that imperialist streak. I mean, after all, the left thinks that the right is a bunch of imperialists anyway, so we will find out the truth about that. But what about the left, right? How do we get them on board? There might be a few additional barriers there. Well, for starters, there is that 12-year thing again, and they will probably want to live, so there is that. But think about all of the possibilities. Freshman Representative Ilan Omar sees Islamophobia everywhere like when people liken Sharia law to sexism. Uh, Hint, that probably is true, but she won't say it. But by taking over China, Omar can actually tackle real Islamophobia. She can personally follow the troops in and open those Chinese detention camps in the Xinjiang region, where hundreds of thousands of Muslims are being imprisoned based on their religion. Not certain why Omar does not speak about this, but I am certain there's a good reason. Maybe she tried, but Israel stopped the message? Who knows? Elizabeth Warren, who is one-third, four-hundredth Mandarin, and Bernie Sanders can go to China too. (laughs) They will love it. State control over everything, indoctrination, none of that pesky checks and balances or separation of powers or or even rule of law, Sanders famously spent his honeymoon in the Soviet Union, and he can now celebrate his 80th birthday in Tiananmen Square. There could even be a reenactment of the 1918 incident. But obviously, since students are supporters of Sanders, he wouldn't want to see that. No, instead, a Chinese tank crushing a 
a student under protest or under its tracks won't work with Sanders. No, Sanders can put a capitalist in the student's place. What fun for him. We can even tap former President Obama. Who built that, he will ask. Why the Chinese government built that, he will answer. Part of the plan is for the enlistment of Jussie Smollett as communications director of the invasion forces. I, I know what you're thinking. That's just brilliant. Within about three months, he will have convinced the Chinese and Indian populations that they asked for our help and that any occupying forces are there to assist with humanitarian projects. After all the initiatives he perpetuated over the past few months were an all-out effort to remain part of empire, in this case, we will have a starring role in a real empire. Can't wait to see a spin on the term Manifest Destiny with that one. But what about the granddaddy or the granddaughter of them all? The fatuous, I meant fabulous, Miss AOC. Let's make her Viceroy of India. Okay, she was a bartender about two or three years ago and never had a meaningful job, but and her facts are riven with inaccuracy. And she comes across like con the congressional version of Reese Witherspoon's Tracy Flick, but without the Tracy Flick death. Go on, watch the trailer on the IMDb. You'll see it. We get it. She is that annoying kid from college who just took women's international, intergenerational, intersectional gender studies and thus is an expert at nearly everything. But think of it this way. She would handle any resistance to her goals the way she handled Amazon. The largest company in the world versus a 29-year-old with spunk. And the company ran like Usain Bolt and took their 25,000 jobs with them, but still. Why not pit her against the largest population in the world? Indian Prime Minister Modi will learn the Pelosi lesson. Nobody puts AOC in a corner. Those poor Indians. I feel sorry for them. 1.3 billion people versus AOC, and it's not even a fair fight. There will be naysayers, of course. First off, we'll need a bit larger military than we have today. And yeah, it might uh, might be a bit of a struggle to get young people who are afraid of microaggressions in Ben Shapiro's speeches to face down the 2 million highly trained troops of the Chinese People Liberation Army. Our answer is drones. Everything is just drones now. We just wish AOC had not irritated Amazon or else we would their drones. Of course, they could just be confiscated. Remember, 12 years. It justifies everything. Also, there will always be namby-pamby writers and scholars. I see you, George Will and Brett Stevens, who will form a never-invade clique. They will offer up specious arguments based on facts such as Time Magazine's prediction of a 1977 cover predicting global cooling in the next ice age. There is Al Gore's prediction about the in 2004 about the polar ice caps. Um, they're still there. Again, nagging questions. Some might even suggest that these predictions were made to create a sense of crisis. And as former Mayor uh, Rahm Emanuel of Chicago pointed out, and Chief of Staff um, to Barack Obama, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Some might even question man-made climate change. We do not. Therefore, justification. So there it is, people. Time to call out the guard. Activate the regiments. Fire up the tanks. Because now we only actually have about 11 years and 5 months. The clock is ticking. Postscript. Some conservatives may be put out that we are essentially stealing Swift's title. I have nothing to fear from the left, however. Though Swift is one of history's greatest satirists, 
He was white, he was male, and therefore no one in the Academy of today knows the difference between a Lilliputian and a Brobdenagian. So again, if there is any copyright infringements, I'm using modest in my title, not worried. Thank you.